Welcome to the Forever 80s podcast, hosted by Liz Worth, where we talk to fans, artists, collectors, and more about all the things we love about the 1980s. Hey there, welcome to the Forever 80s podcast. This is Liz Worth, and I am really excited today to welcome Grace Marion Chan. Grace is a writer and 80s pop culture enthusiast. Welcome, Grace. Thank you so much, Liz. I'm really excited to be here, and I'm actually really flattered you you reached out to me, and uh, and I get this opportunity to chat with you because you spoke to my friend Violet, and she was telling me, yeah, how awesome how awesome it was to talk to you, that you were really sweet, that she really enjoyed the conversation. So yeah, oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, great. Thanks so much. Yeah. And uh, for everyone who's listening, yeah, we're talking about Violet Sky, who was on a previous episode. So if you haven't checked that out, you should give that a listen when you're done listening to this conversation. Uh, so Grace, I'm going to start out by with a really general question, because yes, you are this 80s pop culture enthusiast. Uh, I follow you online. I love your fashion, your style, uh, and everything that you post about uh, all the reasons that you love the 80s. So I'm going to ask you, why are you drawn to the 80s in the first place? What what pulls you back there? What pulls me back to the 80s? Well, first of all, the 80s raised me. So uh, I think every aspect of my personality was essentially shaped by this rad decade. Um, I'm old enough to have been alive uh, the entire decade. And it really was just such an incredible time for creativity, for art, uh, for self-expression. And just, I, I think just any aspect I can really think of, it was just the pinnacle of, of, of toys, of music, of TV shows, of film, of clothing, of architecture. I could go on. I mean, just in terms of the fashion and the styles, everything was just so much bolder, brighter, vibrant. There was just personality. There was spunk. There was just energy. And, you know, I look around nowadays at architectural design and it's just drab and gray and devoid of personality. And I'm just like, how did we get here? <laughs> How did we get here? Um, and so, yeah, I think myself, like a lot of people, I, I yearned for that more fun, vibrant, colorful time. And, you know, like I said, it was such an integral part of 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 shaping me, um, having grown up in the 80s and, you know, watching all the cool films, the cool cartoons, uh, being privy to all the rad fashions etc. So it it really shaped who I am. And I think I can speak for a lot of people as well. Mm. Did you always feel that way about the 80s? Like when you were living through the 80s, were you as excited about the era? Or is this <laughs> something that's happened with hindsight? You know what, I think I think I was just, ex I mean, I was just excited to be around so much cool stuff. I mean, as a kid, I'm trying to think of something very specific. I think just the world of film just mesmerized me. The fact that I could, you know, go into a movie theater, see a new film, and then replay it in my head. And then, you know, I I could see the novelization for sale in at the Scholastic Book Fair or whatever and beg my dad for money to to buy it for me. 
um, and I could relive the movie all over again. Um, things like that. I, I was, I've been a pop culture fan pretty much all my life. I think I can blame my dad for that because he's uh, very much um, a movie fan himself and a pop culture fan. But yeah, living through it, I was fully immersed in it. And I guess I still am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which films shaped you most as a kid? Oh, boy. You know, the funny thing is I wasn't allowed to watch horror movies. So my dad never took me to the theater to see horror movies, except, and this is so bizarre. I've had this conversation with him uh, so many times because it really doesn't make sense. He hates horror movies. And yet he took me to go see Child's Play in 1989. <laughs> and that movie terrified me but also fascinated me because it's like here's this freaking doll that is evil and can talk and try and kill you <laughs> and you know as a kid I had dolls in the house I was you know I was mortified that hey what if I have an evil doll as well um that movie really put the fear in me but it also it 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 resonated with me because it was just such a kind of fantastical concept. Like this doll could come alive and like prey upon you. Um, it really stuck with me. And um, I think it might, might've shaped a, uh, my love of horror to this day. Uh, also just because of the aspect of like, I wasn't really allowed to watch horror as a kid. So Maybe I'm kind of just making up for it now. <laughs> ah, uh -huh, yeah. Um, yeah, I I feel like that movie really ruined that that toy line, though, the My Buddy dolls. Yeah. For everybody, you know what I mean? Because um, I would always see the commercials for those, but I could never separate it from the Chucky movies after a while. Did you know anyone that had it? Uh, you know what? I didn't. And I have to wonder <laughs> if that's the reason why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, parents are like, screw that. You're not getting that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting to hear you talk about all of the reasons why you love the 80s and um, and feeling this this appreciation for the 80s, even as a kid, because I, I think I had a bit of a different experience growing up in the 80s where um, I always felt like people were trying to get away from the eighties as fast as possible, especially when we got into the nineties. And I remember there were so many things like I'd see music videos from the eighties and I think, you know, and I think, Oh, they still have mullets or they're still wearing acid wash. And I was like, Oh, it looks so dated to me. Yeah. Um, but then as time went on, I came to really appreciate that type of style and aesthetic and I started to miss those things and I started to miss the things that you're talking about, the, the you know, the, the big statements and the self-expression and this, you know, this era where you kind of do whatever you wanted and people didn't give a shit if it was really big or really right. out there. Um, <laughs> and, and so I find that really interesting that, that you're one of those people who could kind of see that right from the beginning and just stuck with it. Did you also stick with it throughout the nineties? Yeah. You, you know what? That's yeah, that's funny you mentioned that because I think when grunge hit, it, it it just it changed everything. I mean, almost overnight when grunge hit, uh, I mean, this was like 
forgive me if I'm wrong, 92, 93, uh, it, it just single-handedly obliterated, you know, 80s hard rock and hair metal. All of a sudden that was considered passe. Like you said, like the big mullets, the hairspray, all of a sudden that was just like, oh, that's so old news. That's so 80s. God, get with the program, right? Um, yeah, I, I very clearly remember that. And there was a shift. There was a cultural shift where people wanted to step away from that. They they kind of disavowed that big boldness of the 80s. And they're like, we're grunge now. We're going to wear Doc Martens and flannels and, you know, sulk around and have greasy hair instead of big hair. <laughs> there was, there was that big cultural shift. And you know what? I was there to witness it. But also there were still bands in the 90s that were still relevant from the 80s, like The Cure, like Depeche Mode. Uh, a lot of alternative rock um, here in Los Angeles. We had a radio station still have still have the radio station called K Rock that played uh, alternative rock, which is such, such a funny term now because that doesn't mean anything. But back in the day, <laughs> you know, you had your tribe. Right. And that actually meant something if you were into, quote unquote, alternative rock. Um, so, yeah, a lot of bands like The Cure, Depeche Mode, Pixies, what have you, they, they were still relevant. They were still making good music. Uh, and, you know, they were huge in the 80s and yet still big in the 90s. So, yeah, to a lot of to a lot of what you said, uh, a lot of that, even though there was that huge cultural shift, a lot of 80s bands were still relevant and carried forth, you know, making some minor adjustments, what have you, mm -hmm. into the 90s. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean, I know. There's for yeah, there's a you know, there's some great examples there too with bands like Duran Duran who had a big comeback in the 90s. Yes, that's right. Another one. Uh-huh. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I found that shift, you know, when I look back at it, I I was de I definitely felt that as well. But I feel like when at least from my perspective, I don't know, there, there, you know, there are probably uh other other opinions on this, but when I look back at the 90s. I f actually feel like that grunge era at the time, it felt like it was going to last forever. Yeah. It, it really didn't last that oh. long. And then as soon as we got into the late nineties and early two thousands, everything became very nostalgic. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The grunge scene didn't, yeah, it wasn't very long lasting at all. You're absolutely right. And then that became dated. That became passe. That became like, oh, you're just trying to copy Nirvana or or what have you. So yeah, that was an interesting time because right after that, everything all became new again, as they say, and people became more nostalgic for the 80s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then it's kind of stayed that way, I find too. Like I remember seeing this resurgence around the uh around 80s pop culture in the late 90s and in Toronto where I was living at the time there were these nights popping up they were called them retro nights and they were playing all 80s music and uh they some of them would air live on the radio and you could tune in and hear all these great songs from the 80s all over again and all of a sudden those things just really started to stick and there were 80s nights that just became a thing in clubs and they're, they're still, you know, at least, at least around here, they're, they're still a thing, um, you know, 20 years and counting. Right. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel like, like the eighties have kind of lasted for several decades now. And there's this, this whole culture and community around 
various facets of the 80s that I keep trying to figure out like why why is it lasting so long with everybody I'm not complaining um but what is it about this time that we so many of us keep gravitating back to you know what I often wonder that myself and and honestly I think people just I think it's a lot like how I feel as well. I think people just yearn for a less complicated time. Uh, we're we're living through some crazy shit right now. You know, I mean, I I honestly don't know how Gen Z does it. I mean, having lived through COVID, you know, we're in this modern age of harmful social media content. And then COVID, like I mentioned, you know, crazy political divides, rising inflation. Like, there's a lot going on right now. And a lot of the shit we didn't have to deal with growing up. You know, there wasn't a social media. I mean, and for myself, I wasn't really allowed to watch a lot of TV. Also, I immersed myself in books and talking to friends and going out to play. Um, and I can't imagine growing up in this day and age and just being, you know, incessantly glued to your phone and scrolling and, you know, being inundated with, you know, harmful images to, to teens and minors. Um, it's a crazy time we're living through, right? And I think people just yearn for like the simplicity and the comfort of of a time where none of that was around. <laughs> and like I said, where everything was cooler, more vibrant and bolder and like a really a true era of self-expression and music and film that's comforting to them. And the 80s has that in spades, right? So I think that might have a lot to do with it as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you do you miss a time when we weren't so plugged in? Oh my God, absolutely. You know what? I dream all the time of just chucking my phone, you know, <laughs> into the trash. But Alas, we can't do that, right? Everybody is so plugged in. It's it's completely necessary and mandatory in this modern age and f- for for work, for life, for everything. Um and you know, I can't hate on social media so much. It's brought me it has brought me a lot of joy and it's brought me a lot of friendships. Uh I've connected with a really rad 80s community through Instagram, you know, finding other people with like-minded interests. Uh, from all over the world, really. And it's been really freaking cool. Like, we wouldn't have been able to do that back in the day. Uh, back in the day, I had pen pals. <laughs> you know, I subscribed to magazines. And in the back of the magazines, there'd be like a list of people. Oh, my God. I have issues of, I think it's called Stickers Magazine. And in the back, there's the pen pal section. There's just addresses of all these minors. <laughs> You know, it'll be like Becky Stevenson, age 14. I'm into stickers and Care Bears and Strawberry Shortcake. Write me if you feel the same way. You can't have that shit now. (laughs) So such a such a different time. Right. Um, But I digress. Your your question was, do I ever wish I was not as plugged in all the time? Mm-hmm. All the freaking time. I, I yearn for the simplicity of my childhood. Mm-hmm. Life has gotten so much more complicated for the world at large. And this goes back to your original question. I think people just yearn for a simpler time when life was just less bogged down by bullshit. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always feel so conflicted about those things as well, because I 
um, don't really like technology, but I rely on it. And, and I'm, I'm actually pretty techy. I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I have, um, you know, I, I am self-employed. I have a, a business that's completely online. I do this podcast now and yeah. yeah, it is, you know, it, it helps a lot in connecting to people. Right. Um, and I, was a journalist in a you know, past life, and uh, it was, you know, and I was doing that before social media was really a big thing. And so, for me, it was, you know, I used to, I used to pick up the phone. I used to have to track down phone numbers and actually yeah. try to, you know, try to call people. And, um, and it sounds, you know, I think for people now, everyone's like, "Hey, you have to pick up the phone." Nobody does that anymore. Nobody. Right? But, uh, yeah, but it was it was a lot harder to do certain things back then. Now you can just go on Facebook or Instagram and find somebody right away uh, if you want to connect with them. And so we've eliminated all these barriers between people. But at the same time, no one has any privacy anymore. No one has any space. Your life kind of has to be on display to a certain extent if you want to succeed in certain industries now. It's it is very complicated. Um, and, uh, yeah, it feels like a lot of us are so connected, but also completely disconnected from each other still too. Absolutely. And therein, therein lies the rub, right? It's like, you're, Mm -hmm. you're over connected Mm -hmm. (laughs) to the point where you're not connected in person anymore, which Mm -hmm. is kind of sad. And yeah, every, now nowadays everything is at your fingertips, right? I mean, song lyrics, uh, random factoids, uh, anything you need, you can just look up, you know, within seconds. Back in the day, we had to work for it, right? If you wanted song lyrics, you had to record the song off the radio, hit pause, write it down, and then you know, hit play again. And you know, if you're into a cool band or cool actor um an author you had to go to the library you had to go and you know wait for the newest issue of smash hits magazine uh for you know uk bands to learn about them you had to work for that information right it it, it felt more precious because you earned that information you Mm -hmm. had to actually put in the work to to know about these bands these these musicians these authors, what have you. Nowadays, kids just, they have it all right there. And, you know, I had the Charlie Brown encyclopedia and, uh, (laughs) and when that didn't, that, you know, wasn't enough, I went to the library. So yeah, it's, I, I, to some degree, I do envy kids as well because they, they really just have the world at their fingertips. But uh, also, you know, we, we have grit, right? We put in the work. <laughs> it's so true. But I remember too, I always felt, especially in high school, and maybe maybe that comes with being a teenager as well, but I always felt like I was missing out on something. Like I would try to look for certain bands and try to find out about where shows were happening and yes. where the all ages clubs were and all of these things. And I always had this idea that there was some kind of hidden world that mm-hmm. I could never access because I could never find out where it was. And I don't know if that's true. Maybe that was just all in my imagination and I was finding <laughs> everything that I possibly could. But I, I remember feeling, have this intense feeling of missing out on something as well, because I just didn't know for sure. Oh, 
Man. I know. Sad. That is sad. Well. Yeah. Do you remember movie phone? Like having to call yes. phone number to get movie times and yes. <laughs> see what's playing at your local cinema. Yeah. Or like yeah. going going to the Sunday calendar section of the times to see, you know, what movies are playing. Uh, what shows are playing. Uh, mm -hmm. For us here in Los Angeles, we have something called the LA Weekly. So in high school, we would, you know, every Monday when it came out, we'd quickly flip to the back and see, you know, who's coming to town, you know, like how much money are we going to be spending now camping out at Tower Records, uh, waiting mm -hmm. for Ticketmaster to open. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's all gone now. <laughs> yeah, I think all of those little things there too, you know, they were... Um, they might sound inconvenient to some people now, and maybe they felt inconvenient at the time. I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, now we do everything on our phone as well, right? So, so it's like you're constantly being sucked back into your phone just to do all of these things that, yeah, you used to have to go to the record store to do if you want to buy concert tickets or something. Um, and that got you out of the house. It got you into the world. It got you into a store. There was a community experience in lining up for tickets, right? Or... Uh, yeah, just kind of seeking out these things, I think, too, had some kind of communal feel to them to a certain extent. The other thing it makes me think of is zine culture and how that was another way that you had to kind of dig and and yes. seek things out. Um, and I feel like that's one part of the culture from the 80s and the 90s that hasn't really become digitized. It's like those those zines, if you had them, if you held on to them, no one's ever going to see them again. You've got like one of the only hundred <laughs> copies that were made. Right. That's it. Yeah. 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 That's so cool though that you were uh that you were into the 90s zine culture as well. That was a that was an awesome time. I mean that was how I found out about a lot of bands uh that were were hard to access, especially for me being in Canada, right? We didn't have as much media. We didn't have MTV here. We had a something called Much Music instead, which is trying to be like MTV, but it's always a bit, everything's always a little bit different in Canada. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I found out about a lot of bands from the 80s through zines because I was really interested in goth culture. And so I'd find zines that would be talking about uh, goth bands and everything would always inevitably trace back to the 80s with that scene. <laughs> so that was a big entry point for me. Wow, that's super cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here in LA, uh, there were yeah there were a bunch of um, goth clubs as well, and um, yeah, we had some really cool goth scenes as well, and goth goth stores, you know, that catered to like really you know macabre makeup and clothing and accessories and what have you. You know what? I don't even I don't think they were around. One of them was a really cool store called Retail Slut on Melrose Avenue in Hollywood. And it, it was legendary. Uh, they carried like all the cool brands, you know, all the rad black velvet you could shake a stick at. <laughs> and, you know, all the Susie posters, your, your, your little black heart could desire, right? Uh, RIP, Retail Slut was a really, really cool um, 80s goth destination here in LA back in the day. You know, this is the power of zines. <laughs> Retail Slut used to advertise in some zines that I would buy here. So I, oh. I know that store because they would have their address if you want it. I think you could send away for a mail order catalog. Mail order catalog, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's the connection. Yeah. Wow. I know. I know. Um, I want to ask you about your writing because you're working on a novel, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well so 
and it's set in the 80s. Yes. So, yeah, I'm currently uh, hard at work writing my very first set in 1987 Mm -hmm. young adult horror novel and uh you know what i don't want to give too much of the details away because the plot and the setting and the story is so simple and so nostalgic and so awesome and precious to me and it's never been done before and i want to be the first so (laughs) i'm kind of keeping uh that under wraps but i can tell you that it it is set in 1987 uh and it is a ghost a revenge ghost story uh and our main protagonist is named after uh one of my close childhood friends from middle school her name is diane lynn and i don't know what happened to her so this is kind of like a homage to her like a little uh you know a a, a little something for her because she was just the raddest raddest girl in uh what grade was this like seventh grade middle school eighth grade uh she was um you know i gotta pull up a picture and show you sadly your listeners are not going to be able to see it but it is on my instagram so i can always you know reference it there but she was uh this really badass tall asian girl uh with like shellacked hairsprayed you know big hair wearing deaf leopard shirts smoking cigarettes behind the school you know dark rimmed coal eyeliner Mm -hmm. kicking everyone's ass literally and figuratively no one fucked with me when i was hanging out with her no one i was you know i am still a short person right i'm only five foot one and as a kid you know, whatever makes you different makes you fair game to be picked on, right? Kids are cruel. And of course, in the 80s, kids were even crueler, I think. So whenever I hung out with Diane, no one would dare to to mess with me when she was around. She was my protector, my friend, my neighbor. Uh, We would um, uh, carpool to school together every morning. Um. She was freaking rad. And I I don't know what happened to her. You know, it's like we have the Internet. Right. And yet I am not able to access her. So if she's listening, (laughs) Miss Diane Lynn, like freaking get in touch with me. I'm writing a book about you. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yes. So the character's name is Diane Lynn and it's kind of a homage to her. And it's a mixture of both, you know, her spunky personality interspersed with, you know, kind of my own um, what what I had gone through gone through uh, growing up in the '80s. So it's a lot of my experiences uh, put into this character as well. Um, and uh, I will tell you, I read a book recently. I'm not going to name uh, the author of the book because I don't want to like out them or anything. Mm-hmm. It was set in 1985, and, and it was a horror novel a mo- uh, uh, that was just released. I wanted to be immersed in 1985. I wanted to see it, smell it, hear it, be in it. And I didn't get that. I did not get that. It might as well have been written, you know, in modern day 2023. I was just like, what's the point of setting this book in 1985 if you're not going to take me there? You know, there were a few mentions of like, oh, we're at the mall and, you know, I had an orange Julius. That's not enough for me. (laughs) So... My book, I'm taking you there. I'm taking you to 1987 and you're going to see it. You are damn well going to see it and you're going to live it with me. 
that's so exciting. You know, in talking about your book and, and the setting of the times, uh, it's something I want to ask you about because, uh, you know, sometimes there's this, I think, uh, a push and pull in in writing and publishing where people have questions about, you know, what, how will you, how will your work relate to the current day? And how will your work relate to younger readers who are really into technology and want characters who are using phones and watching YouTube videos and all of these things. And, you know, I've been a writer for a long time and the questions before, before all of these things were always like, are you going to have DVDs in the, you know, or like, whatever. It's just, there's always something silly that comes up around this. Right. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm curious about this because obviously in the eighties, we're not going to reference these things, but at the same time, it seems like, at least to me, it, that there are a lot of younger people who are really interested in the eighties right now. Absolutely. And you know what, if someone were to ask me that, I'd, I'd tell them, you know what, if you want that, read another book. <laughs> There's a million other books set in modern day times where they have, you know, all those things you mentioned. And, and that's fine. That's a specific audience if you want to be completely in the now. Uh, people who will want to read my book, are interested in other things. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, I grew up reading a lot of authors like Christopher Pike and R.L. Stein and and even Sweet Valley High uh, in the in the 80s and the 90s. And so uh, what I'm writing is kind of just a conglomeration of all of that. So, yeah. And so if that's considered niche, you know, and, and, and you know, not, you know, secular, it so be it all it'll find an audience and if not i'll self-publish it so regardless uh when i do finish this book um yeah i think people who are interested in the 80s and and ghost stories what have you they're gonna want to seek it out mm -hmm. and if you're not then that's okay too yeah yeah, I, I, um, I mean, I don't think you'll have a problem finding an audience for it, given how, how so many people love the '80s. But uh, I always find those questions so interesting. I, um, I've written a couple of novels, and I haven't used any technology in them. I, one of them is kind of it's loosely set in the '90s, even though I don't really say that. But um, uh, the other is is just happens at the end of the world um that's the setting it's the end of the world there's no time there's no timeline on it but um i you know when i wrote them and when i think about writing i think about books you know i maybe there's just a part of me that always anticipates that maybe this technology won't be with us forever either and so i'm always like why do we have to date ourselves by talking about phones or youtube videos or any of these things when for so long culture wasn't really dated around these things. There wasn't a huge emphasis on technology. When we look at books from the 80s or films from the 80s, people weren't really centering those films or the settings in those films or books around technology. They were centered around other things, right? They were centered around places and characters and the storyline. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. Like why, why should we, you know, throw all of that extra, you know, modern day technology into 
you know, our, our respective work when, yeah, I, I mean, the classic, you know, movies and books that we love don't necessarily do that. They, they just told a story that really resonated with us. So at the end of the day, if that's what you have, like a story that, you know, a lot of people can relate to regardless of, you know, where it's set, when it's set, if it's a fun, engaging story, that's, that should be all that matters. Mm -hmm. Um, we touched on this a couple of times. I want to, I want to ask you more specifically about it. There, um, there is, there does seem to be a movement around interest in the eighties with people who are younger, right? Gen Z is getting really interested in the eighties in, in many ways. And I'm curious about what you think this is. Is it a cultural moment? Is it a movement? Is it a subculture? Is it, what, what do you feel this is? You know, that's a really, I, I'm glad you asked that. It's, it's interesting, right? It's, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest, like in the beginning, it was kind of jarring for me because it's like, here are these 16, 17, 18 year olds, you know, that are kind of pining for an era that they weren't alive to see. And I was just like, wow, this is really weird, right? And yeah, in the beginning, I'm going to admit, I was a little protective. It was just really jarring and really surreal at first just to see like these young people, you know, suddenly become expert curators and of a design from a decade they weren't even alive to see, right? And then I realized, I was just like, you know what, wait a minute, this is actually pretty cool, right? Because these kids actually see and appreciate the awesomeness of the 80s. And and I get to share my joy with them as an old person that lived through it, <laughs> right? So now it's like it's just a whole new '80s community that I'm a part of, and I'm I'm stoked to be a part of it. Um, you know, I mentioned before that I've made some real some real actual meaningful friendships through Instagram. You know, through finding these people. Some of them, yes, underage. You know, 16, 17, 18, uh, up to you know 25 and older, but still you know, still too young to have truly been there for the decade. Um, yeah, it, it, it uh, was jarring at first, like I said, but now I really just see it as like, you know what, these, these kids really appreciate it and I get to appreciate it with them. So mm. yeah, mm. it's, it's actually really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think it's interesting and I think, um, there's something to that as well. And in, in seeing that appreciation where I don't know if you found this, but sometimes at, at certain concerts that I've been to where I'm seeing bands or artists from the eighties, I'm looking around and mm -hmm. I'm like, I might be the youngest person in the room and <laughs> I'm in my early forties. Right. Which is younger, but not young. Like, tw you know, being a 20 year old is young. Right. And so I, I sometimes look at, at, uh, at all these things that I enjoy and that I know a lot of other people enjoy. But if you don't have younger people coming out to shows or discovering music or discovering films, then that culture dies eventually because there's no one there to remember it. Right. right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. A whole new generation is now, you know, privy to the awesomeness of this decade. And yeah, it's cool to experience and share it with them. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. And it and it's it really is kind of like a testament to 
good music is good music, right? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. found it's found a whole new audience. And I you know what it's funny though, because on our oldies station here in LA, they play 80s music. And I'm just like, when did 80s music become quote unquote oldies music? You know, back in you know, when I was a kid, the oldies station meant like, you know, doo-wop and Elvis Presley and what have you. And now, you know. Times have changed. <laughs> I know. I know. I think about that too, because like, yeah, our oldie station would play stuff from fifties and sixties, but yeah. in the eighties, the fifties and sixties weren't that long ago. And now I'm like, right. well, no, I guess we're at that right amount of time that's passed. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our parents probably felt the same. Yeah. Totally. And you know, the other funny thing is, um, it used to be, un- speaking of, uh, you mentioned your parents, it used to be uncool or considered uncool to like, to like the same music that your parents did, right? You know, growing up, you're like, oh, you're into Perry Como and, you know, uh, Debbie Reynolds. Like, psh, that's for old people. You you wanted to differentiate yourself. You wanted to have your own cool music to listen to. Like, I'm into rock. Like, screw your old folks music, right? It's not like that anymore because nowadays the parents are into, you know, 70s rock, 80s rock, 90s rock, and their kids are into it too. And you see that at concerts, right? You see the intergenerational audience there and everybody knows the words and everybody's jamming and having a great time, parents and their children. So I think that's another really cool thing um, nowadays that has changed. Both uh, generations can appreciate it. Yeah, there's, there's, I think, much less of a generation gap now than there used to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're right. There used to also be this push to really separate yourself from what came before mm-hmm. culturally, right? And now, for whatever reason that's happening less, I don't know if it's because of technology and social media or or what, um, there are probably various factors that are influencing that. But yeah, there's there's definitely more of an embrace of the past rather than a move away from it. Absolutely. Mm. What do you think um, younger people who are drawn to the 80s are perceiving from that era? Are they seeing something differently? Are they seeing um, are they seeing it through a different lens than how we might see it? You know what? I think culturally, I think it's natural to to put on the rose colored glasses, right? And see. And we all do it. I do it. And to see, you know, only the good inherent in a past decade. I mean, the 80s were were not without its faults, obviously. You know, we had Reaganomics. We had the Cold War. We had the cocaine epidemic, the AIDS epidemic. Uh, I mean, we lived through a lot of crap also in the 80s. Um, you know, really rampant racism. Uh, I could go on. It, you know, there were a lot of really horrible aspects of the 80s as well. Uh, but you know what? Every freaking decade has that, you know, like most of what I just mentioned, we have that now, (laughs) you know, no decade is perfect and will never be. And, you know, I, some might be pessimistic and say that, you know, well, you know, things, things might, might get worse from here. (laughs) Right. There's, there's always going to be issues. Um, So you're asking, are they looking back and seeing something different? I mean, I kind of like what they see. I mean, they see like a really fun freaking time. And for a lot of it, I mean, again, you know, I've mentioned the craziness from from what we uh, lived through. 
it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of freaking fun. And I would like to, you know, hold on to that as well. So again, we, I think societally, we yearn for that less complicated time uh, because a lot of the world is super fucked right now, right? And and it's hard. It's hard to be a human living in 2023 at whatever age you are, especially if you're a young person. It's freaking hard. Um, and yeah, I think we all just yearn for that nostalgia and that comfort. Uh, and what better decade than the 80s where, you know, we really kind of had the best of everything. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in your your fandom and enthusiasm for the 80s, what are some of your goals coming up in terms of things that you either want to do or collect or experience that will help you uh, <laughs> <laughs> continue to embrace uh, all of these things that you love about the 80s? What are my goals and and things I want to collect. Was that what it was? Yeah. Do you have anything that you're looking for? Do you have any bands you haven't seen yet that you're hoping to see? Is there anyone that you'd really like to meet? What's on your bucket list? Oh, as God. an 80s yeah. fan. Yes, yes, absolutely. You know what? I will still have FOMO to this day that I wasn't there at the Madonna Like a Virgin Tour in 1984. I had classmates that were there and they bragged about it. There was this rich bitch Stacy in my in my grade who got to go. <laughs> and I was so jealous. I wanted to go so bad. And, you know, she was just telling us stories like Madonna was walking down the stairs and she fell and and I got to see it and and everyone laughed. And I was like, that's horrible. But also, I wish I was there. (laughs) I mean, Beastie Boys opened up for that for that tour. God, I would have given anything to have gone. Um, So, yeah, I I now get to see Madonna next March. It's obviously not the same, (laughs) but. I will finally be able to say I got to see Madonna yes, so yes, for awesome. the first time uh, next March. So that's one thing. Um, another thing is I am a huge collector of gem dolls. I have a pretty massive collection right now. I'm actually kind of ashamed of it because the dolls are huge. Uh, I, I collect them mint in the box because the packaging is so beautiful. Uh, so the dolls that I collect have never been opened. Um and I I think I'm one doll short of a complete collection. And, you know, I've got like the cars, the the outfits, uh, the, the, the backstage dressing room setup, you know, all this crazy stuff in storage. And I'm I've been so busy that I haven't had the time to properly shop for a shelf and like build my gem shrine <laughs> at my house. Uh, so, yeah, sadly for now, all of my gem memorabilia is in storage but i have so much of it and i can't wait to like keep collecting more because there's always more to collect right uh and then finally display it but um i'm trying to think of what uh, what other goal 80s goals i have um to keep finding rad vintage clothing uh i do a lot of my vintage shopping in my mom's closet because actually I'm wearing her top right now. Uh, I'll describe it. It's it's like a pink leopard top, uh, kind of like a bat wing sleeve uh, from 1986. I actually have a photo of my mom wearing this freaking shirt from 1986. <laughs> uh, she's a pack rat. And 
you know, I get I, it, that's bad, obviously, because she doesn't throw anything away. But that's also very good for me because I get to inherit all this all this beautiful clothing from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. She's kept it all. And it's a little overwhelming because it's just bags and bags of shit, you know, at her house that I have to sort through. But yeah, I get to steal it all. (laughs) Yeah, that's so exciting. And, you know, just hearing you talk about all these different things, the, the TV, the clothes, the toys, I think that this also ties back into what you were saying earlier about how, you know, it's really hard to be a human now, right? And um, when we we look back at all these things, some of them are so whimsical, right? Especially when I see people collecting toys from the 80s. It's so innocent. And I know some people think it's silly to collect toys as an adult, but I'm like, no, this is like, it's Mm. actually very soothing. It's one of the, I think, the gentlest things you could do for yourself um, during tough times. <laughs> and uh, and I think that there is, you know, that's that's also a big drive back to nostalgia and to 80s culture itself is that there's so many different things that you can go back and enjoy when you look at the decade um, and so many things that feel familiar. Absolutely. And there's like, I mean, there's a huge market for that. I mean, do you, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that you, if you remember that uh, maybe eight, eight, 10 years ago, it was considered, you know, dorky to collect toys and action figures and whatever people would be like, oh, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're a nerd, you're, you're a dork, you know, but now it's cool, right? There's a huge market for, you know, adults buying action figures, buying toys. Um, you know, you go to Target and you see uh, reissues of Strawberry Shortcake and Mr. Potato Head and all these things from our youth, you know, N- Ninja Turtle toys, what have you, Transformers, it's all back. And a lot of it is geared towards adults and nostalgia. So, you know, uh, it, it is, it is self-soothing and it, it's no longer considered, you know, dorky or nerdy or whatever, because yeah, it's, it's not harming anyone and it makes, makes me happy. So what's wrong with that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that, you know, that circles back to what you were saying at the very beginning of our conversation as well, where the eighties were so hinged around self-expression and, and that's what, um, a lot of this seems to be about is that yes, it's nostalgic, but it's also people embracing a part of, something that they feel really passionate about. Thank you so much, Grace. It's been so great to talk to you and uh, to have you share all of your thoughts about the 80s and also about your writing, which sounds really exciting. Um, How can people find you if they want to learn more about you after hearing this? Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much again for having me, Liz. It's been really awesome to chat with you. And yeah, they can find me on Instagram. I'm at Grace Marion, M-A-R-I-A-N. I also just joined Twitter for the very first time, which which is kind of nuts, right? I'm so behind in the times. Uh, my Twitter handle is uh, Grace Marion Chan, which is my full name. And uh, yeah, my website, which is gracemarianchan.com as well. Thank you so much. And thanks everyone for tuning in today. This is Liz Worth with the Forever 80s podcast, and I'll talk to you again soon. You've been listening to the Forever 80s podcast hosted by Liz Worth, where we talk to fans, artists, collectors, and more about all the things we love about the 1980s. If you like this episode, let us know. Hit subscribe, leave a review, or share it with a friend. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon.